eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. But great performance by Tyler McGill. I would say, Pete, we are now eight games into the season. Best starting pitching performance we've seen from any Mets starter occurred on opening day at City by Tyler McGill. And this is back-to-back years with him again, Tyler McGill getting the home opener and being a stud. And I think there's a stat uh, that only him and Tom Seaver Mets history have done, uh, have pitched six innings of scoreless baseball in home opener, back-to-back years. A season opener and then a home opener. That's incredible. That's, uh, that, that is incredible. Good for him. Good for him, man, because this is a guy who entered the, the spring, probably seventh on the depth chart, but because of two injuries, Quintana and Verlander, he's taken advantage of it, and this is a good problem to have because Verlander said before the game he expects to be back soon. Tyler McGill is pitching in a way in which he'll remain in the rotation, and that's great. That's fantastic, whether that's six-man, whether that's David Peterson going down, whether that's creating a fake injury for Carlos Carrasco or real injury for Carlos Carrasco. Uh, I never worry about this. I'm just saying that Tyler McGill's pitching well enough where if he can continue this, he stays in the rotation. And I had no problem with Buck taking him out either. I think I've learned over the years that even though McGill had retired his last five, his pitch count was 88, he just had a 1-2-3 inning, you're almost better with certain guys taking him out too early than too late. And I think if this was me two years ago, I would have probably said, 88 pitches, keep him in the game. But... I think that it probably made sense to get him out. And Adam Adovino had a great bounce back performance too because when he comes into this game in the seventh inning, it is 4 nothing. They added some runs. Starling Marte hit that home run in the sixth inning, which is nice to see. Pete Alonso came through with an RBI single. So they started tacking on besides those two cheap runs that they scored in the third inning. Adam Adovino comes in and was great. Gets a couple of strikeouts, pitches a 1-2-3 inning. And we did see the Met offense start to show you something. You mentioned Nito getting the leadoff hit in the fourth. It did start a rally. Brandon Nimmo drew a walk. He had four walks in this game. And Pete Alonzo bailed out Lindor because Lindor struck out with a couple of guys on base. And Pete comes through with an RBI single as the Mets tacked on another run. I I did not understand in the seventh 
when, again, the Mets are gifted the bases loaded and nobody out because of a walk, a hit batsman, and another walk. I didn't understand what Escobar was doing on the bases because Tomas Nito comes up and drives a ball to left field for a sacrifice fly, which is great. Mark is going to very easily score. Escobar's on first, and he tries to tag to go to second, and it was clear as day that Canna scored first, but it was it was close enough to make you say, Eduardo, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, if Escobar's tagged out because he tries to tag from first to second, he gets thrown out. Jesus Sanchez knew exactly where to throw the baseball, right to second base. You're not getting Canna at the plate. But that was a beat off from Escobar running the Mets out of a run. So I, he is just off to a brutal start. He was over for today. He did have that ground out that drove a run in the fielder's choice with the bases loaded. But then you've got the base running call that to me is, is very questionable because the risk reward is not there. It's just not, you had a chance to completely run yourself out of an inning and they're going to be facing some tough choices here with Eduardo because you want to be patient and I want to be patient. We're eight games into this season And so you want to pause and continue to run guys out there. You know, Eduardo has a five-hit day or a three-hit day tomorrow. His batting average gets raised by 200 points. I understand that. But I think what concerns me is that we saw this last year. And this is not only a continuation from spring training where he wasn't hitting, but he's also doing kind of dopey things like almost running the Mets out of an inning. And his defense was fine today, so I don't want to pick on his defense. But he's not going to confuse you with Brooks Robinson by any stretch. So you got two options here. Obviously, Luis Guillerme is on this roster. And up until today, Luis has been getting those starts against right-handed pitching. And then it goes back to the Brett Beatty question. But the problem with Brett Beatty is the problem with Buck Showalter. So let's address it. Let's address Buck Showalter, who I love Buck Showalter. He had a great year last year. We'll put aside some of the questionable moves he made on this opening road trip. As a manager, everybody makes questionable moves. So while I disagree with them, and I didn't think he had his greatest couple of days, it is what it is. Let's get to this Alvarez thing. When the Mets decide to call up Alvarez, because Omar Narvaez is now going to be out for eight to nine weeks, which is brutal. I feel bad for him. I think he's a good player, a productive player. And it sucks that the Mets are going to be without him for two and a half months. But when you make the decision to call up Francisco Alvarez, to me, that means you're bringing him up to play. You're not bringing him up to just learn from Tomas Nito. You're not bringing him up to sit on the bench. You're bringing him up to play. So Buck Showalter and Billy Epler should, I don't know, have a freaking conversation. Because I doubt if Billy Epler has a half a brain, considering he's so obsessed with Brett Beatty getting playing time in AAA, yeah, he's got to play more games in AAA. It's not fair to him for him to not. Then you got to explain to me why the hell you'd call up Alvarez to not play him. Now, I would normally say it's one game, it's opening day. Maybe they just wanted to give it to Tomas Nito. Maybe Buck thought Nito deserves that honor of playing the home opener. But you listen to Buck talk about Alvarez. First of all, I don't know what to make of it, but it doesn't sound like a guy who's committing to playing him all the time. And he gave some cockamamie answer about, well, you know, you got the balance of winning and developing. Well, hold on a second. Winning and developing. Are you telling me Alvarez doesn't give you a better chance to win? 
Because if that's what you're saying, then you're also telling us this. You're telling us Alvarez has no effing idea what he's doing behind the plate. Is that what you're telling us? Because I'll admit this. I think Pete would admit this. As much as we want him to play, we don't know what he's like calling a game. None of us would. But your actions, if you're not going to play him, would tell me that you think he's a schmuck behind the plate. And if that's what you think, either stick him in AAA where he can learn and play or give up on him being a catcher and make him a DH. But to have him up here and not play is lunacy. And I'll give you another example of something that pissed me off. While in general, if you don't have three catchers, it's going to be difficult to use Alvarez as a pinch hitter or as a DH unless he's pinch hitting for Nito because you don't have that third catcher, so it puts you in a precarious spot. I thought in the seventh inning of this game, with the Mets having a pretty comfortable lead at this moment, at the moment it's 4 nothing. It's the bottom of the seventh inning. They got a couple of guys on base. I feel good like I can get away with Alvarez pinch hitting, staying in the game as the DH. And if, God forbid, something happens to Nito, not the end of the world. Alvarez catches. And, yeah, we got the pitcher's spot. But the odds are this game's over. You have the bases loaded. I'm sorry. First and second, nobody out. And Daniel Vogelback coming up. And the Marlins have a lefty on the mound and Tanner Scott. This isn't about the game. This is about Alvarez. Would that not be a pretty cool spot to give this kid the at-bat? Opening day, big crowd, two on, nobody out against the lefty. That seems like a great spot. And instead, he sends up Tommy Pham. And I I, I don't want to kill Tommy Pham. I got nothing against Tommy Pham. He's off to a fine start, and he drew a walk in this at-bat. But are you going to play this kid ever? Are you going to use this kid for anything ever? Because if your plan is to not play him, why the hell is he here? Then you call up Michael Perez and make him the backup like you did last year. That's what you did last year. Remember when James McCann had his injuries? We saw Perez. We saw Mazika. And Nito was pretty much the everyday catcher. And here's the thing about Nito. He's fine defensively. I like Tomas Nito. But this kid's your future. He's the number three prospect in baseball. And it's April. That's the other thing. It's effing April. If there's ever a time for him to learn, wouldn't it be now? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You've got two guys in the rotation in David Peterson and Tyler McGill who are young guys. So you don't have to worry about the, uh, the cruddy veteran who doesn't want to throw to him. Why the hell is he not playing Now, it's one game, so I don't want to freak out about the game. I'm more freaking out about Buck's comments. I mean, am I nuts, Pete? It sounded like Buck Showalter hates Alvarez, has no interest in playing him. So the one thing I will say about Buck is he also said that Darren Ruff was batting 600 in the backfields, and then he got cut not too long after. So I don't know if if Buck is trying to play a game, if 
it's opening day that they, you know, home opener that they wanted to put him in a less, you know, pressured situation. Because here's the thing is, they brought him up with six games to go last year. Six games to freaking go. They brought up Francisco Alvarez, which was the worst freaking time to do it. You talk about pressure situation. Hey, save the day for us. We need a big hit. Please do something. So now's the time. Okay, fine. It's a home opener. Maybe you think the spot's too big. You t- you promised Nito that he'd catch McGill, whatever the case is. But it's it's time. Like if if the next couple days go by and Francisco Alvarez is still sitting the bench, then this is just a screwy situation, and we're wasting our time with calling a Francisco Alvarez. And you're right. It, it, this is there is no big situation anymore. It's it's this is the time for him to shine. Let's see what we got in him and whatever. If you give him a two two months or even two weeks and he's not hitting, then bring him back down. Bring up Michael Perez. But you cannot have him ride the bench for any amount of time. He's got to play at least sixty to seventy percent of the games. I don't even think it's about his bat. Like, his bat's his bat. Uh, Would it surprise me if he got off to a tough start? No, I mean, he's a young player. Anthony Volpe's not off to the greatest offensive start. It's not the end of the world. I think with him, it's more about defense and learning how to catch and learning how to communicate with pitchers and learning how to just do that job effectively. And I understand it's not easy, but is he a catcher or is he not a catcher? Now, the Mets have to make a decision at some point. And right now is the time to learn. Because I'm not panicking as a Met fan. I'm not panicking about three and four. I'm not panicking about four and four. You have time. We live in a world now in which if you can get to 88 wins, you're probably in the postseason. I'm not saying that these games don't matter, but I am saying that if there's a time to let your young players develop, it's now. And we're learning about Billy Epler and we're relearning about Buck Showalter because they don't have long track records here. So far, Billy Epler has inherited, and I make that clear, He's inherited these guys. He's inherited some really good prospects. He really has. I mean, when you look at the top end of this farm system and the guys that are at Syracuse right now and the guys that are knocking on the door, the Mets have legitimate prospects between Alvarez and Beatty and Mauricio and even Alex Ramirez, who we talk less about. They got guys. And so far between last year and so far this year, Billy Epler's handling of young players makes zero sense. Zero sense. It took forever to call up Beatty last year. He did. He got hurt. It sucked. It took forever to call up Vientos. You mentioned it, Pete. He calls up Alvarez before the biggest series of the year. Then this year, Brett Beatty goes out and wins the job if there was any kind of competition. Clearly there wasn't. You stick his ass in AAA. Vientos proves, at least to a degree, hey, maybe he's the best right-handed option at DH for this team. You send his ass down to AAA, and then you top it off, before we get to Alvarez, with Ronnie Mauricio, who's tearing the cover off the ball, and you keep him at shortstop? As if, what? When's he playing shortstop here? And now this with Alvarez. Now, it's one game, so you're right, Pete. Could Alvarez start Saturday and Sunday? He could. And I hope he does. We'll do our series recap pod, and I'll start it off by golf clapping for Buck Showalter, saying, great, he head faked the crap out of me, and I hope he is. Look, Buck's not the most honest guy. He's not going to tell us everything. So all I can base this on is the game that we just had and trying to read Buck's comments. And the read early on is, oh, my God, he's not going to play a lot. But let's put numbers to this. 
The Mets have two games left in this series against the Marlins. They've got three games with the Padres. There's one day game after night game, Wednesday afternoon. So obviously, whoever starts Tuesday, the other guy starts Wednesday. With five games to go on this homestand, how many of those games will Francisco Alvarez start? You're asking me? Yeah. Yeah. He's got to start at least half. What does that mean? Three out of five? Because there's a big difference between three and two. He, well, okay. Well, he needs, okay. So he needs to get three starts. He needs to get three starts. He won't. If I had to predict right now, and I, and I hope I'm wrong, here's how I'm going to lay it out. I'm going to lay, I'm going to give you the specific games. All right. I think that Nito starts Saturday with Senga on the mound under the guise of, well, you know, Senga's a new country. It's only a second start. He's already worked with Nito. Perfect. Right. I think he goes Nito Saturday. I think he goes Alvarez Sunday. He's not going to start Nito every game of this series. Then I think he's going to go Nito Monday, Alvarez Tuesday, Nito Wednesday. So I think Nito will start three of the next five games. Alvarez will start two of them. And I got a big freaking issue with that. I think Alvarez should start four out of five games. I see no reason why he shouldn't start Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Okay, fine. Day game after night game, you start Needle. No problem. That, that's what I would do because Alvarez should be treated like he's the starting catcher. He should catch everybody. There should be nobody he's not catching because this is the time to learn. Because what if, what if he hits the freaking cover off the ball? What if, what if he's so good offensively that you want to play him all the time and you don't want to DH him, you want to catch him? Well, then he better learn how to catch Max Scherzer now. He better learn how to catch Kodai Senga now. It just scares me that the Mets have this kind of hesitation about him because they must think he's awful behind the plate. I mean, they must think he's a disaster. And if that's the case, then what are we doing? Right. And here's the other thing, too. Like you just said that you were going through this, that you'd, you'd start him Sunday and Tuesday. Meanwhile, tomorrow... They're facing Trevor Rogers, who is a left-handed pitcher. Like, that's the optimal time to get him in the lineup. Yeah, but the problem is, Nito's better against lefties than righties, too. <laughs> Think about Nito. Yeah, but we're talking about two different types of hitters here. We're talking about a guy who's a, hey, you make contact with more left against lefties. Great, that's awesome. Alvarez will be bring power to the lineup, which we're begging for. <laughs> no, no, I'm not disagreeing with you, by the way. I, and I also think, and I, I mentioned this before, Pete, wouldn't today have been a good day to get him in the lineup? Like, or Not in the lineup, I'm sorry, to pinch hit. Like, I laid out the situation. Two on nobody out seventh inning. Vogelback's clearly getting pinch hit for with a right-handed batter. When I saw Tommy Pham pop out of that dugout, I was annoyed. Because it was like, what? this is the easiest spot for him. Two yeah. on nobody out. He should get a cookie to hit. Yeah, but you know what? You you nailed this before when you talked about the fact that unless they're bringing up Michael Perez to have a third catcher, it's really difficult to say we're going to put Alvarez in the spot and, you know, God forbid, you know, Nido gets hurt. What are they going to do? Yeah, it's, 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 but it's the late in the game that you're in, that you have a big lead in. You know, like my fear of using Alvarez at DH is that either you can't pinch it for Tomas Nito at all, because if you do, you're willingly moving Alvarez to catcher, or if you do, you're losing the DH. You know what I mean? Like, that's why you look at Cincinnati. They're the best example I could think of. The Reds catcher is Tyler Stevenson. Hell of a ball player. 
They play him every day. He catches most days, and then sometimes he'll DH. But they carry three catchers. They protect themselves against the possibility that if you're using Stevenson at DH, that you can't pinch it for your catcher. Like, if Alvarez is DHing against a tough lefty and you're starting Tomas Nito, you're either married to Nito getting every freaking at-bat or you understand that late in the game, you're going to lose the DH. That's why during the offseason when we talked about this, I was always a proponent of they're going to have to find a way to carry three catchers if Alvarez is going to be on this team. And you want to use him at the DH spot. But they're, you know what? They're not, here's the funny thing, Pete. They're never going to use him at DH. They're not. They're going to use Tommy Pham at DH or what we saw on the first uh, road trip where Pham plays left field and can DH. DHs. Basically, Tommy Pham is going to be the bat that gets in the lineup. They're not going to do that with Francisco Alvarez. And that's, I don't want this to bring everybody down because you're right about one thing, Pete, before that I should take notice in. Buck may just be BSing us. That Buck Showalter may not just be his initials. It may be BS, as in, (laughs) I'm really not telling you what I'm doing with Francisco Alvarez. I'll get all you guys pissed off, and then on Saturday, you'll be happy, and you'll kiss my ring. The ring I don't have, the ring I hope to get you. (laughs) Well, not for nothing, but I will say this. to, To defend Buck a little bit, because you've... You've been a little bit more critical about him recently, and that rightfully so. The one thing Buck Showalter has done very well is he has taken the brunt of... There hasn't been much criticism, but he's deflected and made it about him and put people... If there's going to be criticism, it's about him and off the players. If you recall, what did he tell Francisco Lindor last year before the season started? You just go out there and do your thing. I'll take care of everything else. And he has, for the most part. There you go. All right. Well, we are going to kill him if Alvarez is in the lineup. We're going to rip him, that's for sure.